0: life transformation radio is all about our transformation here we are talking about why we do what we do we highlight that transformational moment that changed our lives and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well now you can listen to us live right here on the blog talk radio network tuesday through friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, today I'm bringing you a special episode on this Memorial Day with an amazing military veteran. So it's going to be action-packed. Stay tuned for this incredible, incredible episode. You can hear Life Transformation Radio by joining our Life Transformation Radio community at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, the Himalaya app, the Google Play Music app, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and join us on YouTube at Life Transformation Radio. Our Life Transformation Radio community on Facebook is just that, the group Life Transformation Radio community. Go ahead and search that and join us in that Facebook group so you can talk to the guests, talk to the hosts, and talk about the episodes that we bring to you every single week. My guests on the show are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, podcasters, authors, amazing human beings that are impacting the world around them. And my guest today has done exactly that. If you have any questions for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, go ahead and give us a call at 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. Call us up, ask a question, talk to the guests, and be a part of our show. And with that, please help me welcome to the show my guest for today, military veteran Craig Weldon. Craig, welcome to Life Transformation Radio.
1: Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks so much for inviting me, particularly on Memorial Day when we're recognizing the sacrifices of so many service members over the over the years to keep our country great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for spending this, this time with us. Um, It it is very, uh, especially for us, military guys, um, you know, we've been serving with people who may or may not have made it back home. Um, We have a lot of people that, that we hear about, that we serve with. And, um, you know, it's tough, you know, it's just it's, it's a tough life, so I really, really sincerely appreciate you spending the time with us on this Memorial Day. Uh, what the title of this episode is is The Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best with military veteran Craig Weldon. He has spent 30 years in the U.S. Army, then seven in the private sector, and another nine as a senior executive service member with the U.S. Marine Corps. He led soldiers, sailors and Marines at each level from lieutenant to general officer to senior executive while serving 10 years in Europe and another 12 in the Pacific. Present at the Pentagon on 9-11, he subsequently led the effort to secure the state of Hawaii from terrorist attack, an effort that received national recognition. After retiring from the Army in 2003, he chaired a national conference, information sharing and homeland security, for three years. In 2008, he was asked to organize and run a Secretary of the Army initiative to bring greater awareness to the American public of the sacrifices and service members and their families during a time of war, and was recognized by Secretary Pete Guerin with the top two civilian awards. In 2010, he became the Executive Director for Marine Corps Forces Pacific, overseeing the largest multi-billion dollar program since World War II to reposition Marines in the Pacific. In October 2019, he transitioned to the next chapter of his life, becoming a motivational keynote speaker on leadership and performance excellence. He published a book titled Leadership, The Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best, which has won multiple awards and is a number one international bestseller. You can go ahead and click on his website to preview his book at Craig C-R-A-I-G-Weldon-W-H-E. G-L-D-E-N, Craig Weldon His Facebook and LinkedIn links are right there in the show notes. Send him a friend request, letting him know that you listened to his episode of Life Transformation Radio. Craig, after reading that, I got to know the first question that I'm going to ask is why? Why do you do what you do? Well, I've
1: done what I've been doing for the past 50 years uh, since about the time I became an Eagle Scout at age 14, and I was kind of thrust into a leadership position at a time when I didn't really understand what leadership was all about, and so it was like climbing a mountain. I got to the top. Uh, I I at on the top. I didn't know how to come down, uh, and so I learned very quickly uh, what leadership was all about, and that carried into high school, into college, and then in 30 years in the army, and then another private sector period of seven years, followed by nine years with the Marine Corps. So when somebody asked me about a year and a half, two years ago, what I wanted to do when I retired from the position in the Marine Corps, I told them I wanna give back 50 years of life and leadership experiences that I've had to the next generation. And they said, well, you need to write a book. And I laughed and I said, are you kidding me? I can't write a book. I mean, I thought I was a pretty good writer, but I'd never certainly thought about writing a book. Well, long story short, I did write a book. Uh, it turned out pretty well. It sold uh, thousands of copies, or, or I've given away thousands of copies. It certainly sold uh, hundreds of copies. And it's a, an audio book. It's available on digital version and print version. And oftentimes when I speak to groups, uh, those groups will purchase a copy of my book for each one of the attendees. So my presentations that I give to groups uh, are very satisfying in that it fulfills the legacy that I would like to leave uh, this world, which is not to let those lessons that I've learned over the many, many decades uh, go to waste. Let them learn from me those things that uh, are good, those things that are bad. And I tell these in in stories uh, that are sometimes very personal, but but that's really satisfying uh, for me. Love it. Very,
0: very cool. And, and I like that you said you wanted to give away the next 50 years you know, in, in service. You know, so a lot of people do you know, 20 some odd years in the military and they have a hard time. Like, well, what do I do afterwards? And that transition process after spending decades in the military is not an easy one. So I applaud you for that. Uh, you you didn't just end there, right? You retired from the Army. Uh, What rank did you retire from the Army as?
1: So I was a major general uh, at 30 years. Ah. I retired from uh, Hawaii. I was actually in Hawaii when I retired. We owned a home in Florida, and I wanted to make sure that I gave my daughter every opportunity to succeed in life. And so I sort of turned my attention towards her I was a part-time consultant for seven years, saw her get through high school and college and launch off on her own career. She's doing very well now, Uh, very successful, uh, happily married, owns her own home. Uh, She happens to be on furlough (laughs) like so many other people are (laughs) right now. Yeah, Uh, But but she'll rebound from that. She's very resilient. Uh, So I did that for seven years, uh, getting my daughter launched off. On life. And when she was a senior about to graduate, my wife said to me one day, you know, I'd really love to go back to Hawaii. That was a wonderful tour. And I'd like to spend the rest of our life there. And I thought, good grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawaii's pretty expensive. I'd have to get a job. And she said, okay, good right. idea. <laughs> so I started looking for opportunities <laughs> to get back to Hawaii. And the Marine Corps created the position that I eventually ended up in uh, to move ten a uh, 10,000 Marines out of okinawa and build a base in guam i applied never thinking i'd get the position because i have army roots and the marine corps is kind of anal about who they hire if you're not a former marine you have to demonstrate your worth
0: to them yep i know how that
1: honor. is
0: honored did i lose you If we lost Craig. Craig, you still there? Craig, you still with us? All right. Well, while we get Craig back, uh, we are going to work on getting him back right quick. So we're talking about uh, here with Craig Weldon, and uh, we are – Talking with him about his military career on this Memorial Day episode of Life Transformation Radio. I want to thank everybody for joining us in the chats and listening to Life Transformation Radio on this Memorial Day. Uh, if you haven't yet, I want you to do me a favor and just post something, tweet something, put something on Facebook, LinkedIn, something about um, the, you know the service members the families, today is a day that we really try to um, intentionally remember those that did not make it back home, the ones that have given the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, I want to welcome Craig back to the show. Craig, you with us?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I think we lost the connection there.
0: Yeah, that's all right. I th- that happened to me as, uh, as I was coming onto the show. It cut me off. Uh, out of my own yeah. show. <laughs> and then, uh, and so I had to reboot back in. So it was kind of weird. Uh, it doesn't usually do that. But um, so we were talking about uh, you getting back to Hawaii, and we wanted to, or you wanted to um, get back there, or your wife wanted to get back there. And so the Marines created a a position and i get exactly my brother-in-law was a marine unless you're a marine uh they try not to hire outside of their um outside of uh, outside of themselves really
1: yeah it's an interesting culture it truly is because uh even as a retired two-star general when i got there i found that seven or eight months later i'm still climbing the it took yeah. me about seven or eight months before I felt comfortable that they had accepted me and they didn't accept me because I was a retired general. They were me because they saw that I contributed uh, to the organization, to the effort as part of the team, just like any other Marine or civilian Marine might do. And, uh, and right. from that point on, I felt like a, an accepted member of the team, but it's, it's a hard culture to crack into. It's uh. It's different from any other service, it truly is. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the show is all about transformation, and I believe that we all grow through these moments, either go through them or grow from them. And, that, and, and that's the way I think about leadership. Leadership is about not just going through a moment or going through emotion, but growing at the same time. So with that said, I'd love to see what your transformational moment was. What do you feel like was the moment to where you either embody that leadership, you really really found out what leadership was all about, but it transformed you into who you are today or what you are on the path right now to become? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I spent –
1: The first 20 years of my Army career as a combat arms officer, as an armor officer, a cavalry officer. And I spent a lot of time in Europe. I had three different tours in Europe. Uh, Two of them were during the Cold War at a time when we were facing the Soviet Union and we were getting ready for World War III. The third tour, uh, I was a lieutenant colonel, I was the operations officer for a mechanized infantry division. About 16 to 18 thousand soldiers. I came out on the colonel's list, the full colonel's list, and then I came out on the brigade command list, uh, which is the command. I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, well, "What's what's the bad news?" He said, "The bad news is you're now the proud owner of a golf course." And I said, "I don't uh-huh. have a clue what you're talking about." He said, "The army has decided to make you a base commander, as a colonel." And I said, are you kidding me? I don't know anything about running a base. Uh, I'm an armor officer. I'm a cavalry officer. All I've done for 20 years is train for war. And that's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I know. And there were some people that tried to get it changed and send me to a tactical unit, but they failed. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned that uh, that was going to be my fate. I was going to be the person who was like a town mayor. Uh, I had town halls with uh, the people, about 45,000 people living in my country. I had health care centers that I was taking care of. I paid the electricity. I did new construction on the base. Uh, I had labor unions that I had to deal with. And my workforce went from almost predominantly uniformed male to almost predominantly civilian with 50% females and 50% males. And about half also were German because my base was in Germany. It took me two months to realize this was the best thing that ever happened to me. And the reason I say that is because I learned more about myself. I learned more about the Army than I ever would Mm -hmm. have had I stayed in that traditional armor lane, which was more of the same except bigger. Uh, this was completely yeah. different. It was uncomfortable. It was uh, something that I didn't know anything about. And I knew that if I was going to succeed in this, that I needed to put trust, faith and confidence in the people who work for me, cheer them along, be their greatest cheerleader, and then ask them, how can I help you when things are going wrong? Uh, help mm-hmm. teach me to fix the problems and 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 tell me what you need from me to help you fix these these problems. So I did that for a couple of years, and it became a major turning point in my professional life and kind of in my personal life. If all your listeners, or many of you listeners, I'm sure, have seen the movie uh, Forrest Gump. And you may recall mm-hmm. the scene of Forrest sitting on the bench in Savannah, Georgia, and he has a box of chocolates in his pockets and he, or on his lap. And he opens it up, he picks up a chocolate, and he turns to this lady who's sitting next to him, and he says, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And he, he was absolutely right. Yep. That was a chocolate moment for me. It was a Forrest Gump moment for me where I thought I was <laughs> supposed to turn left at the fork of the road and circumstances turned right. me in a different direction. And at the time, I thought, this isn't good. This is not what's supposed to be happening to me. And as it turned out, if you're patient, you persevere, you make the best of what you have at the time, Oftentimes it turns out just fine. And I can tell you that the jobs that I had after that, including promotions, command, and other jobs, both in the military, with the Marine Corps, and in civilian life, never would have occurred had I not taken that, less, that road less traveled uh, when they said you're going to be a base commander uh, back in the mid-90s. So, you know, be careful what you ask for. Uh, Sometimes when you are facing circumstances that are uncomfortable, unusual, and uh, Mm -hmm. unexpected, uh, I'm here to tell you. And that's that's just one example. I've got many. I've got personal examples and other professional examples where things have happened to me, and I said, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. And as it turned out, it was exactly what was supposed
0: to be happening to
1: me. I just didn't know it at the time.
0: That's incredible. I think that's a great way to look at it cuz we we think we're supposed to have it all figured out. You know, yeah. we're supposed to go one way or though that wasn't the plan for my life and but that we we soon find out that you know, it's like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face. You know, and then sometimes life does that. Life punches you in the face you're like, "Oh crap." <laughs> then it's yeah. not coming. right? right. So every, sometimes you got to turn in the, the map, military, right? Every plans Every plan
1: survives, probably the first battle, and then it's the, uh, then it falls apart right. you gotta, so yeah
0: absolutely what was that what was that like, going from military life to civilian life, but still being a part of the military community as a civilian, so you're always on one side and and, and unless you go to the civilian side, whether it be a wage grade, wage leader, a GS or, you know, uh, contractor. We will never see that other side. We don't know what's all we do is we hear about, you know, the things that they have to go through, but never really experience from either side. So since you have, I'm curious about your take, what was it like being on the military side for 30 years and then going to the civilian side um, as that, as that um, guy who's in charge of, uh, you know, the Marine Corps force is specific and, uh, and and being a part of the executive director and all that. Well, I would tell you that the um, there's a whole
1: chapter in my book about effective communications. And I tell people that you can talk to a six year old or a 60 year old. You can talk to a male or a female, a military member or a civilian, a conservative or a liberal, an American or a foreigner. It almost doesn't matter who you're talking to, if you have a central message and you want to communicate it, there's a way to effectively communicate that same message to all those varied audiences. You just may have to do it in a little bit different way. In my presentations, I have a slide that talks about uh, bedside manner for doctors. Doctors, when they talk to each other, talk to ter- in terms that you and I probably don't understand. Lawyers do the same thing. IT people do that does the same thing. But when you're talking to the average person on the street, you need to understand your audience, uh, who you're communicating to, and you need to talk to them in terms that they understand. It's not what you say that matters, it's what the other person hears. And so communications uh, to a soldier or to a civilian, to an American or German, to a male or female, it didn't matter when I made those transitions because I understood that effective communications is all about connecting to your audience in terms that they understand. You almost have to do a role reversal and put yourself in their position and say to yourself subconsciously, okay, I'm about to communicate X. Uh, what is the best way for this person to receive that message effectively? And so I think I learned how to do that many, many years ago. So the transition from being an armor officer and an all-male soldier type focused warfighting unit to running run a base where I had child care uh, and mostly civilians, uh, many females. I'd never really worked uh, around a lot of females before, it was a relatively easy transition because I had this philosophical approach to communications that said I need to connect to every audience in the best way they understand. So I don't think it was too, too much of a transition.
0: I like that for me. I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, we talk about effective communication all the time. Uh, I was a drill instructor for air force basic training from Oh nine to 13. And one of my first flights that I was leading through basic training, uh, you get them in, you pick them up and you get, rush them upstairs. everybody you, know, you got a bunch of MCIs around you. You're screaming at them and yelling and you're like, all right, everybody right now, Take one razor and put it in your right hand. And there, I mean, you literally got to dumb this down, right? Take your shaving cream. Take whatever. Now, take these two items. Go to the latrine and now go shave your face. I want all of the hair off your face. Now, go. And they're going to direct you where to go. Everybody's going to walk. You're not going to run. You're taking a towel. You know, whatever. You give them all these directions. And I, and, and I was like, okay, now turn left and do this. I mean, we literally dumb it down. I did not realize that I have to tell males to shave everything off your face from your nose down because I had three trainees shave their eyebrows. <laughs> Sir, you said shave all the hair off her face. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, oh, my. That's great. I mean, I, I literally, I could not be any more clear, right? I mean, yeah. grab this, put it in this hand, put it in this, put it in this hand, take this, go here, do this. Like, it was step by step. And we learned this in, in instructor school. We learned this. Yeah. Because, because people will interpret your communication in so many different ways. So it's like, do not let them interpret what you say. Give them a specific yeah. task. And so, I, and, and I learned this even after my time as, an, as a drill instructor, uh, I, I learned about effective communication and all that and, and giving specific tasks, how are, you know, all this. And I think uh, just being an instructor and seeing what can happen when you don't give um, effective communication, it just breaks down really bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a great story.
0: (laughs) So my definition of leadership is empowering people to become leaders, the next man up, building up other people around them not staying in the same job. What I see in the military sometimes is somebody gets familiar, they get, they get um, comfortable, and they say, okay, I'm cool. I'm in my position. That's it. I'm done. And I don't ever want to be that way. I want to continue growing. So my, my definition of leadership is someone who empowers the people around them to take their place because in that sense, you're always going to grow. You're never going to be in the same space. So it's not building followers, it's it's building and teaching others how to be leaders. So what would you yeah. say your definition of leadership is?
1: Well, the title of my book is Leadership, the Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best. And let me give you a mm-hmm. quick story of uh, that illustrates that point, I think, pretty well. Sure. I, I once worked for a three-star general who was a consummate gentleman. He was absolutely even keeled. He never raised his voice. Uh, He was uh, just an absolute gentleman. He was very, very bright, uh, very, very capable. Um, And I had a colonel come up to me one time and tell me, I was his deputy when I was a, when he was a three-star, I was a two-star. And a colonel came up to me one time who was the operations officer for the organization. And he said, you know, General so-and-so is the toughest guy I have ever worked for. And I thought for a moment, good grief. You know, this, this general is so even keeled. He's never screams, never hollers, never, never heard a curse word come out of his mouth. I said, why, why is that? Why is he the toughest boss you've ever had? And he said, because I never wanted to disappoint him. And boy, that, that said volumes about effective leadership because that Colonel and so many others in the organization, including me, quite frankly, Every morning that we got up and we went to work, we either consciously or unconsciously wanted to do the best possible job we could for our boss, this three-star general, because we didn't want to disappoint him. We wanted to make him uh, feel that we were doing everything that we could to make the organization successful. And when you have the kind of inspirational leadership that inspires people uh, to go into overdrive all by themselves – then uh, you're doing pretty well, I think.
0: That's a great standard to live by,
1: there's even, a, if, it, if even you, as
0: a follower, it, right? Yeah,
1: if, you go to, if you go to Fort Benning, Georgia, which is the home of the infantry, it's now the armor center as well. Uh, but for many, many years, it was just the infantry. In front of Infantry Hall, or what they used to call the Infantry Hall, there's a statue. And it's a statue of an infantry leader Uh, charging into battle with a rifle in one hand and his arm waving uh, the soldiers that are symbolically behind him forward. And the caption at the bottom of the statue, and it's about a 12-foot statue, says, follow me, and that's all it says. And as you look at that statue, you can see that the face is slightly turned to the right, not so that he can see the soldiers behind him, his troops following him, but so that they can hear him because he knows that they're going to follow him into hell if need be, and and they would. And so the whole image that uh, Fort Benning, the infantry center, wants you to take away from this statue of this leader saying, follow me, is that he's in the front, he's leading by example, he's not worried about them not being behind him, uh, because he knows that they'll follow him, and they do follow him. Uh, and he's saying, follow me. He's leading by example. There's a, a whole series of uh, chapters in my book where I talk about character, about trust, about the the importance of being having a humility. Uh, and the appendix A, I have two appendixes in my book. One of them is the philosophy of command I wrote in 1989, which was designed to tell the thousand soldiers that I had under my command, exactly what I thought was important and what I expected from them and what I held as um, not negotiable. Um, so that as Love I it. read through that today, uh, this is 1989. It was over 30 years ago. Uh, it is the same philosophy that I live by today. Nothing has really changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever read The Art of War?
1: Oh, absolutely. Several times. Sun Tzu. There's a,
0: there's a, Interestingly, there's a passage Sun in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's a there's a passage in there that uh, I lived by and used to teach uh, my trainees. You know, when we were talking about leadership um, and it goes, regard your soldiers as your children and then they will follow you into the deepest valleys. Look on them as your only son and they will follow you even unto death. And on pickup night, I would tell them, you know, I said, I'm not your friend, I'm not your boy, I'm not your dude, I'm not your what? I am your leader. I am teaching you, training you, empowering you, inspiring you, and motivating you to be the best that you can be. You think right now that you are the top athlete in your high school. You think that you're the best that you can be inside of of your life at this moment. You think you've reached the pinnacle. I'm going to break you down. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to build you up. And when I do this, you're going to see, you're going to see why we do what we do here in basic training. And then we just commence to just destroying their lives for two weeks and breaking them down and then building them back up. But I let them know, I I, I would give them that passage, you know, and I would let them know that this is why we do what we do. And I take, you know, go ahead. Yeah. I was just well, going to say, I'm just Sun Tzu, for, that for your everywhere listeners.
1: The, the Art of War was written by a Chinese philosopher, uh, and strategist named Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-Z-U, mm-hmm. who lived over 2,000 years ago. And interestingly, the principles of leadership are universal and they're timeless. And so many of the things mm-hmm. that he said in his book, The Art of War, uh, in 544 B.C. or five you know five hundred b c uh, apply as much
0: today as they did then very cool yep absolutely hundred uh, percent as we a, a, as you go through your career and and even now as you look back, what have you done to elevate your sphere of influence i'm I'm very curious about what the top leaders do in the country, whether it be a CEO, um, a major general, the owner of a business, a family man, you know, what, what is it that has set you apart or, or what have you done that has elevated your sphere of influence?
1: Well, I've tried to, uh, first of all, stay connected. Uh, I've, been a mentor to many people over my life, and I've been tr- trying to stay connected to many of them. Uh, interestingly, this day and age with LinkedIn and internet connections and Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> yeah. all these different ways in the social media f- that you can connect, uh, I have found people that I thought I had lost decades ago. I've rediscovered them, and that's a wonderful feeling. Um, But when the internet (laughs) works. Yeah. I think writing the book was uh, my attempt to try to capture 50 years of leadership and life lessons, both the good and the bad, told in a compelling and very personal way in some cases. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I would use the book uh, as a tool to help me get in front of audiences to talk about these life experiences. I've, uh, in the short six or seven months, Notwithstanding the fact that we haven't done very much at all in the last two or three months, but since I retired in October of last year, I've uh, had about a dozen different speaking engagements across the country to various groups. In almost every case, they've purchased my book, uh, and I've stayed in touch with people that I've been engaged with uh, in those events. Uh, I In early February, the last time I went out to speak right before the lockdown started to
0: mm-hmm. take
1: its toll. I um, went out to the Los Angeles Fire Department Leadership Academy. They invited me to come out and talk about uh, leadership. So I went out there, and uh, I didn't charge them anything. I just asked them to pay my expenses out and back, and I spent a good hour and a half, two hours uh, with 50 firemen, people who are like the military, giving their own personal uh, risks and lives. Back yeah. to their community in their way, just like the first responders, the nurses and doctors are doing in the midst of the coronavirus. Uh, firemen and policemen do that every single day. And sometimes I almost feel guilty when we pass by a Memorial Day or a Veterans Day, and everybody starts putting all these attention onto people like me and you and others who have served. When we have people who are serving every single day in harm's way to protect their community. In one way or another, and so, you know, I feel very, very good when I can give back to uh, a group like the Los Angeles Fire Department Leadership Academy, which is the second largest fire department in the country behind New York. Um, it, it, you know, it's it gives me great satisfaction. I was scheduled to go sure. to the Citadel in uh, March to speak at their uh, annual leadership symposium and then it got postponed because of coronavirus.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Wow. That's amazing. So as we start to close the show, I want to ask you where we can get your book. Uh, I'm assuming maybe it's available on Amazon or would you rather they go to your website? Where's the best way for them to get a copy of your book, Leadership, The Art of Inspiring People to Be Their Best?
1: Well, all roads kind of lead to Amazon. So if people go to my website, they will find an opportunity to purchase my book by clicking on a link, uh, but it'll just take them to the Amazon site and then they can get yeah. it there. They can get it in print. They can get it on digital version on a Kindle, or they can get it through audible in an audiobook form.
0: Oh, cool. Very, very cool. For this episode, we always leave them with a takeaway, a moment to reflect. So with that said, what is it that you want the listeners to know and understand about our conversation today? What do you want to leave the audience with?
1: Chapter 23 of my book is called leaving a legacy. And there's a uh, quotation at the beginning of every chapter. The one at the beginning of this chapter says the true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. And that was by Nelson Henderson. Let me Ah. say it one more time. The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. And so leaving a legacy behind so that others that follow you uh, can benefit from the wisdom, from the, the good things that you've learned in life, the mistakes that you've made, In your life, and we all have them, I think is probably the best legacy somebody can leave. And that's exactly what I hope to be able to leave when I'm no longer uh, able to communicate that. I used to tell people in the military, look, there will be a time when we, you, I are sitting on our front porch, drooling into a cup, because we can't really do much more. And the next generation, who is a private or an airman in the Air Force will uh, be coming into the military. And someday that person could very well be the Sergeant Mm -hmm. Major of the Marine Corps or the Chief of Staff or the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff leading our country. Uh, And so it's important that you leave the best possible lessons from your life uh, to people who are following you. It's, It's the same principle as raising a child taking care of that child and hoping that they grow up to be the best they possibly can be. Uh, My admonition to your audience is do the same for everybody around you. I love that.
0: Very, very amazing way to close out this episode on Memorial day. I want to be respectful of your time. I want to thank you so much for joining us and those words of wisdom uh, I think it's so awesome especially for me to sit down with someone who was a uh you know a <laughs> a two-star general man um you know who did 30 years of service another 9 another um a shoot total of what 16 years um in and out of the in and out of the uh, civilian world and military so Uh, I just I'm really appreciative of the legacy that you're leaving for the people that that served under you and that you led uh, through the years that you were in serving. So I really appreciate that. And I love that you got out and now you're doing, you know, you got the book and you're speaking and, and you're, you have that, that mentality that I'm going to give back for the next 50 years of my life. I really, really think that that's super awesome. That gives me something to live for because I have a year and a half left of the military. I get out in September of 2021. I retire at 20 years of service from the air force. And well, thanks, I've got businesses. Yeah, I've thanks got for your podcasts, service. I've got all that. Thank you, thank you. And so, by the way, the wife, a like,
1: point, huh? A point of interest: My dad, uh, who I dedicated my book to, my dad, who served in uh, in the Air Force for 20 years himself. He was a pilot who flew C-47s over the Burma Hump from India to China during World War II. And there's a photograph of him as a member of the Flying Tigers. Chenault's Flying Tigers at the front of my book. He no inspired kidding. me uh, to, to be the best I possibly could be. And I talk about him in chapter one, which is entitled character, uh, the basic building block of all great leaders.
0: Mm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Again, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate your time. And this has been absolutely Um, incredible. And so where's the best place for everyone to reach out to you, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, your website, you know, where's the best place for people to, uh, connect with you after the episode?
1: Well, if they want to connect on email, uh, the best place is through my website. I have, uh, an email link there. It's info at craigweldon.com. Uh, that's in the contact tab. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm open to any new connections on LinkedIn. Uh, They can easily find me if they spell my name right. I am uh, new to Twitter, um, and I'm on Facebook as well. So I'm easy to find
0: on the Internet. (laughs) Believe me. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And you guys can go to Quigg. Weldon.com C-R-A-I-G-W-H-E-L-D-E-N Craig Weldon.com Get his book Leadership The Art of Inspiring People To Be Their Best Which is a number one International bestseller And has won multiple awards And with that I close the show By saying Live your brand Find opportunities every day To live out the core values That you hold deep in your heart I call this living your brand. So until next episode, live a great life.